This this is the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show. Live from the Great American Sports Cafe in Kenwood. Now, alongside head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Here's your host, Nick Brown. Ah, uh, yes, welcome in. It's another Monday night live at Great American Sports Cafe. Happy to have you along on this Monday night. Here with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, after a couple of big wins, a, a three-game series against the Everblades that wrapped up a, a very solid year against our foes from the South. And we have plenty to talk about, not only that, but plenty of roster moves and all kinds of things to get into. We went to the Red Stadium today to take a tour. We'll talk about that. And obviously had a great time last night at Cyclones Got Talent 3. We will take your thoughts on that as well as we debuted a sneak preview of, what is it called? I'm on the clones officially. Uh, and it's going to be called by, I'm sure, many other names as it moves through. But it is, if you haven't seen the teaser yet, it's on our blog and at uh, CyclonesHockey.com. You can check it out now. And, of course, on Friday night, if you haven't seen it, we will be debuting it in the game live. Coach, first of all, let's, I guess, wrap up the weekend and just discuss your overall thoughts on the three-game set. It just kind of carried the same mentality and the same tempo that you saw against Florida the entire year. A very quickly uh, developing game, a, a developing series, chippy at times, but ultimately... Uh, a game and a series that you guys controlled. Yeah, I mean, I, th those are a lot of identical games we had down in Florida. Uh, a lot of speed, a lot of action, very interesting games, and at times got physical. And, uh, you know, that, that was uh, th those three games. Uh, the disappointing part was the, uh, the Wednesday game. I thought we played extremely well. We had an opportunity in the second period. I believe we had 19 shots to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, get some distance between us on the scoreboard, and we didn't, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, we didn't come away with anything on the Wednesday night, but I thought we played extremely well and uh, did a lot of things well, and that carried over into, uh, into Friday's game. And, of course, Saturday's was uh, one right down to the wire with a shortened bench and uh, uh, kept it uh, very interesting on Saturday. Certainly an opportunity to, to take some points from the south, something that has not been done very often. And you talk about a North Division standings, and if you look at our notes, if, you're, if you have them out here in the crowd, if you haven't, we still have a, a handful of packets up here you can grab and take a look and read along with us. Uh, the North Division is as close as it has ever been, uh, second through fourth in the division, separated by just four points. So for you to pick up uh, a four out of a possible six against a very tough, one of the best, in fact, the best offensive team in the league uh, is something to be, uh, to be proud of and certainly a big, big step as you head into another very important series this week. Yeah, I mean, coming into this this coming week with uh, with Toledo's important and uh, you know obviously our division and stuff. But I think uh, you know we knew going in that that Florida is a team that 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 likes to score goals, likes to go on offense, and will exchange chances with you. And um, you know we didn't capitalize on the Wednesday night, but but uh, we sure did on on Friday night. And uh, you know you know going into the game, you're going to get two on ones, you're going to get three on twos, you're going to get odd man rushes, and you need to capitalize. And if you can capitalize early, they come unraveled. And that's what we saw on Friday. But uh, you know, Saturday we had our opportunities and, and, and got a couple goals. We got the lead and, um, you know, to, to take it down the wire there. And, and, and they're, they're a frustrating they, – they're a team that gets frustrated early, easily. I mean, once they don't get their way, if they're not – it's not an easy game for them offensively, skating-wise. They get very frustrated. And uh, we found if we were patient with them, we just stuck uh, – you know, limit their shots, limit their scoring opportunities. That's when they get frustrated. Boy, it's interesting, too. You talk about the frustration level, and a guy that uh, I'm sure everybody gets these these moments and has these moments, but Francis Lemieux, their leader now offensively with Mitch Fadden gone, Matthew Pistilli obviously has been called up, and others that have really stepped up are not in the lineup. So for him being the guy and now the ECHL's leading scorer, he lost his temper quite a bit in that series. That's a good thing for you. No, absolutely, and that, that was the thing when it got physical on, uh, on, on Friday night was, uh, you know, just let the guys know that let them come unraveled we don't in, we don't engage uh you know tim spencer or, or some of their guys we let them come unraveled and we can uh you know th they'll take penalties and um you know it got a little ugly there on friday and uh, uh got a little more physical on saturday near the end obviously losing a couple players to injury but uh you know that's a team that that uh you know has had a lot of success in the first couple months and i think they find themselves in a frustrating position right now having games in hand or you know playing more games than everybody else but uh uh, you're not getting that consistency they had early on. You talk about the physicality, and, and Saturday was a game that, that really, if, if you had a guy on your team that uh, was just out there to, to kind of goon, to go out there and fight, Saturday would have been the perfect opportunity to kind of respond from some hits, and, and certainly at times on Saturday it got quite physical, uh, perhaps less chippy Saturday than, than Friday, but Ben Olsen again kind of exemplifies uh, discipline for this team. We've seen that he can, he can beat people to a pulp if he has to, yet at times like Saturday where things could have gotten out of hand, he realized, as you probably preached to him and the rest of the guys, there's no need to fight in this game, it's a close battle, let's just go out there and play. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the message, obviously, Benny missed Friday night being up in Milwaukee and, and getting in our lineup on Saturday, flying in Saturday morning. Um, you know, I, I just let him know that uh, they were going with nine forwards and 60, and Tim, Tim Spencer had to get a regular shift. So, uh, you know, the message was to Benny is just let him be. Let's not engage him. Their coach started their lineup uh, with their third line with Spencer, and I didn't feel, uh, uh, you know, I don't think we get dictated to at home. I don't think that we, we change what we want to accomplish by, uh, by them dictating to us, and I started the Sprout line, figuring that's to our advantage to have, uh, you know, some of our most talented players out against some of their guys, and uh, we weren't going to engage in anything with them and play into their hands and, uh, you know, forced Tim Spencer to get a regular shift, and, uh, you know, unfortunately they end up scoring one on uh, the, the, their first shift, or second shift, I believe it was, but... Uh, um, you know, Ben Olson's a smart, uh, smart player. I mean, he knows when to do it. He knows how to engage. He knows uh, when the right time to, uh, to get involved is. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and our focus was to, to get the win, two points. We're not there to settle any scores or, or anything like that. Let's go out there and get two points and see what happens. Obviously, the other guy on the team, one of many actually, that has been uh, a regular contributor, but perhaps not as much lately. And then he explodes for five points this week, Brady Calla. And I know that I talked with him just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze one of the days after practice. And he, he was not necessarily upset with himself, but he was just kind of feeling a little bit of frustration. He wanted to, to contribute more than he had been. And it really was nice to see him go out there. And he was, he was a, a difference maker on the ice in all three games. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that goal he scored on um, on Saturday, that slap shot going down the right wing, that uh, that, that was just a, a great individual effort by him to get skating and a, and a great shot. And, you know, he really came to life. I think his frustration is coming from not contributing. Um, and, you know, the talks I've had with him is he's got to contribute somehow, whether it's not – if he's not scoring goals, he's got to be physical. He's got to be able to kill penalties for us and bring some sort of element. And, uh, um, you know, he stepped it up for three games, and uh, he, he had a terrific, terrific weekend. And uh, – uh, unfortunately, uh, we're not sure about his availability, but I'm sure we'll get to that, Nick. We will discuss plenty of uh, injury news and things of that nature. We'll get to Herb in just a moment. But before we get to that, to kind of set up all of the roster things and the roster changes, certainly a, a, a different look lineup on, on Friday and Saturday against Florida as the team, yourself and, and Scott Fankhauser, make some trades uh, and bringing in a, a lot of offense. And I guess we can start from the beginning as you, you take a guy in Chris Claxon and you trade him away for a Paul McElveen character who is – uh, a guy on Dean Stork's roster in Greenville that was making things happen, yet uh, maybe a change of scenery has done him good. He's played very well in his first couple of games as a Cyclone. Yeah, Paul McElveen's a guy that uh, can bring some offense. And, and you know, with the training Chris Clarkson, I think, uh, you know, when you evaluate uh, your players and where you're at during the season, and, um, you know, with, with, with Chris Clarkson, I, I felt... Uh, uh, you know, we need to get we need to get some more offense. I felt that uh, you know his grit that he provided seemed to be late in games when we were uh, up by a lot or down by a lot, and his consistency and, and defensive play was something that I felt uh, um, you know struggled. So uh, when an opportunity arises to get a, a a guy that can skate very well, a guy that can provide offense, it was a it's a move that. Uh, uh, we worked on for a few days, and uh, it, it made all the sense in the world to us. And, um, you know, we'll, of course, have to get the permission of the Florida Panthers, who he's uh, contracted by in Rochester. And, uh, you know, they had no problem uh, allowing this to happen. I think it's a move that we had to do. I think we, uh, we have enough third-line guys. I think we need some guys that can fill in that second secondary scoring on that second line. It's nice, too. And, well, before we talk about the rest of the trades, it's nice to know that when you need to make a move, whether it is a Chris Claxton or somebody else that's contracted, uh, as an affiliate player, uh, you can have that relationship with, with Chuck and everybody else at that level, and even with Lane Lambert in Milwaukee, that, hey, we want to make this move, let's do this. They don't, like, they don't put their heels into the ground and say, no, no, we're not doing that. Uh, they open themselves up to those opportunities. No, I think the one great thing about our affiliates, and, and obviously going into an agreement with them, uh, you know, with, with Ray and KP and stuff, is that, uh, you know, they're great people to work with, with uh, Paul Fenton and Mike Santos from both the affiliates. And, uh, you know, they, they, they care about us down here. They, they want to see us succeed. They want their players to succeed. And if it's an opportunity for us to upgrade our hockey team, they're, they're behind us. The other uh, trades, actually, there were two of them in, in consecutive days. We'll start with Thursday, and it's one that you, you take a guy who was one of the best players on your biggest rival, the Wheeling Nailers, and now instantly thrust him into your top three in scoring. And on top of that, after another uh, great weekend for him, a couple of points, a goal and an assist, he now uh, is second in the ECHL with a plus 20. That's Casey Piero Zabatel came into the series with a plus 19. So uh, from an offensive standpoint, you were looking at some of your goals and, and trying to get more offense as you move down down the stretch he is a, a guy that could be a poster child for that 
Well, absolutely. I, th I think when you look at that trade in a whole, I mean, and, and first of all, you know, making trades, it, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it's something Scott and I think about a lot. We, uh, you know, every detail style, first of all, does it, from our locker room to our, the product on the ice to even, you know, what this does from a fan standpoint. Uh, you know, all these factors come into play, but at the end of the day, we got to do what's best for our hockey team. And, you know, a guy like Casey Perez-Abatel becomes available in February. It's 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 hard to pass up, and you know, and to get a guy like that, you've got to give up people. And nobody wants to see Sammy go more than than Scott Fankhauser, who brought him in here. And you know, I think everybody knows Sammy's story. He was an afterthought at training camp, a guy that's supposed to come in for three days and just take up some ice time till we got everybody sent down from the American Hockey League. And uh, he impressed enough to stick around for another week and made the team and, and has contributed and has been a great Cincinnati Cyclone all year. And uh, it's really difficult. He's a big part of our room. And, you know, Christian Mell is the same way. He's a guy that came in with a contract but earned earned a spot on the team, earned ice time, and, and continually got better as the year went on. And, you know, for those two players, it's a credit to them that, that there, there's a market out there for them, that there's teams that want them. And, uh, uh, you know, to give up two guys is, is difficult, especially this time of year. But, you know... Casey Piero Zabatel is a tremendous talent. He's got great size. And the one thing you got to remember is that he, he plays in all positions. I mean, you, you look at, you know, he, he kills penalties. He plays in the power play. He's out there for big faceoffs. Uh, you know, with the Barrett Eggets and Zabatel, and we have Hunter here. I mean, we've got centermen that compete on faceoffs. And uh, when you look at the whole deal, uh, you know, factor everything in, it, 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 it's, it's a, a thing we, we had to do. It's a thing that. Uh, uh, you know, I'm excited. Uh, I wish uh, you know Christian and Sammy all the best because they're they're quality players, they're quality people, and uh, you know they're going to a situation where they're going to play a lot, get a lot of ice time in Wheeling, and um, you know. But from our standpoint, uh, Casey brings a whole element to us. A team, we are a team that needs some offense, we need some depth, and uh, we need some guys to play big minutes for us, and that's what Casey provides. Boy, and then the 24 hours later, you add some speed and some grit to that offensive unit as you pick up Dan Eaves. And Samson Mabot, a guy that you've seen twice with two different teams. First, he was in Elmira, then he was in South Carolina. Now he's a member of the Cyclones. Uh, talk about them as you trade Ryan Delmonte away, a guy that has been primarily an American Hockey League player this year, and you get two guys that ha have had tremendous starts uh, to their season, specifically uh, Mabot, a rookie. And then you look back at Eve's year a year ago, he finished fourth on the Trenton Devils in scoring. So uh, another offensive plus, and then also Eve's being a big body uh, and the speed that uh, Samson provides, just a win-win. Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, when these trades come up, I mean, you don't anticipate making three trades back to back to back like that. I mean, it, it's, you know, you don't uh, you don't go out seeking a lot of times. It, it's it's a trade dictates to you the timing, and uh, it just happened that way, and I think the, the Del Monte trade, and again, Ryan's a, a, a guy that's popular in our room, a guy that's won a championship here that, uh, you know, had a great playoff for this uh, organization and this team and was a big part of it. Um, you know, that said, you know, we haven't seen Ryan a lot this year. He's a guy that's been in the American Hockey League, and... Uh, uh, you know, the, the biggest factor with trade and Ryan is that, you know, the, this whole Utah uh, deal that we owe a player to Utah. Now, you know, you, you, you don't want to lose a player like Ryan Del Monte. Uh, just, you know, to just send him out there. And obviously there's a lot more implications involved. And it was important to get people in return. And it was important to get two people in return after trading two for one for Casey Perros-Abatel. So uh, it was a, it's a trade that we, we, we had to get done. We wanted to get done. Uh, it allowed us to get some depth. And, um, you know, the biggest thing for Ryan was to stay on the East Coast. He's a guy that's had success at the American Hockey League level, and I felt that if he was to go out West, I doubt he'd get many more call-ups the rest of the season. So it was very important for me uh, to make sure he stayed on the East side so that, uh, you know, teams like Worcester and Rochester and other teams in the American Hockey League are still able to have access to him to get him to the American Hockey League. And uh, for a guy that... Uh, uh, you know, he's established himself as a capable guy at that level and, and, and hopefully he gets more games up this year and, you know, hopefully helps out South Carolina for himself. And, uh, uh, but we're getting two players. I mean, uh, you know, Samson Mabod's an energy guy. He brings a lot of speed. And uh, like you said, with Dan Eves, uh, he's a big body, had uh, good success last year, over 20 goals. And, uh, you know, we're looking for him to find that form again. He struggled this year early with South Carolina. Uh, a couple injuries, and now, um, you know, there's no reason to believe why he can't do what he did in Trenton last year after speaking to the Trenton people that have seen him for two years there know that uh, what he can bring, and we're excited to have him on board. This is the perfect opportunity for you to ask your question. Obviously, we've had uh, quite a bit of discussion on our website, CyclonesHockey.com and Facebook. Now is the chance for you to ask the coach your question. So step on up to the live mic if you have one, and we can take yours as we move through. Herb is here and has plenty of questions to start us off. Herb, you go ahead. Uh, coach, 
I know uh, we've, it's been a while since we've done a uh, state of the team uh, health-wise. So let's, let's start off with that one tonight. Well, uh, you know, obviously with uh, Matt Pierce had surgery uh, the other day, uh, as long as hold, uh, along with uh, Scott Reynolds. So, um, you know, Scott Reynolds is done for the year, as is uh, Matt Pierce. Um, we put Dustin Sprout on the IR today with a concussion. And um, Brady Cowell has got a lower body injury that uh, uh, he'll be out for at least a week. Uh, Scott Lehman has a shoulder issue. We're just going to have to deal with that. And uh, Matthew Aubin, uh, if, you, if you didn't notice... Uh, you know, Saturday got very limited ice time. He, he was uh, completely sick and uh, probably shouldn't have played, but with the numbers we were at, he, he wanted to be in the lineup. He wanted to be part of it. And uh, as the game went on and the injuries started piling up, I had to go. I had to use him and keep asking to give us one more shift, and I think he got about five or six after that. So he, uh, it was a credit to Matthew Aubin just to get in the game and then provide what he did for us on Saturday night. So he's going to require, you know, two, three, four more days off. I'm not sure of his avail availability on Wednesday. Um, it, is, it may be some sort of bronchitis. I know he went to the doctor today, but he's going to need some time off. Mike is here with another question. Mike, Kyle, how you doing? Pretty good, Coach. Hi, Mike. Uh, what a great weekend. I've seen some hockey. I, I, I'm a late bloomer on this. My son's an animal. But uh, what a great weekend for uh, hockey. Friday night, best game I've ever seen. 54 shots on goal, and this Casey guy, he's like a magnet to the puck, it seems like. He's always in the right place on offense, and mm -hmm. it's just incredible weekend, Coach. Well, thank you. Good job on the trades. Thanks a lot. I mean, you, like you said, Mike, Casey, uh, Casey's an intelligent player, third-round draft pick of Pittsburgh Penguins, so, um, you know, with that size and his skill, and, uh, you know, he, he knows the game, and, uh, you know, we, we expect him to do what he's done all year in wheeling, and, and, and hopefully more with the ice time he's going to be getting here. We still have plenty of time for your questions. If you want to come up and ask one, you can. Herb, do you have anything else for now? Well, in reference to Casey, uh, last year, I know you didn't get to see him much, but at least I did being a goal judge and he has grown so much this year he seems to be more uh of a presence around the goal that last year he'd get pushed out mm -hmm. i think he's just mainly growing into the professional game I, he's grown in the professional game he's probably grown into his body also i mean uh, he's he's got a six foot three frame and you know he's 22 years old i'm sure he's put on some muscle this summer and uh you know once that once that starts happening and then the the confidence starts growing it uh, you start seeing a big difference in players and it, it and from one season to the next is tremendous uh you know these are young men that uh uh you know are learning the game and and, and growing at the same time and getting stronger and and, and getting more confidence so uh you know, I, I like Casey Piero, uh, Zabatel all season long. Obviously, we've seen him enough. And uh, like I said, the opportunity to get a, a guy like that is, uh, is a huge bonus for our hockey team. And w one last question uh, for this uh, session. Uh, you brought up the Utah situation. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's trades with players, players to be named, you know, in that aspect. Uh, I guess this is a twofold question. One. When does that trade have to consummate? Because I know there's a trade deadline. Mm. And secondly, what if it's a player to be named later or for other uh, things, how is that determined? Mm. Well, not to get into too many specifics about it, um, you know, it's at the <clears throat> league office. Uh, within the next 24 hours, uh, you know, we will be sending a player to Utah. It's uh, just working some things out right now. It it's all comes back to the Dylan Hunter trade this summer. Um, you know, with Motherwell not, them not being able to get Brett Motherwell under contract, we owe him a player. And, you know, it's one of those things you hope uh, they can work it out. Um, you know, from a player standpoint, he got an AHL contract. So, uh, you know, good for him. You don't want to hold anybody back or anything like that. So, uh, you know, Brett Motherwell did very well. Unfortunately, we owe Utah a player now. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation where you've only, we've only seen Dylan Hunter 24 games this year. I'm sure we'll be seeing him again at some point. But, um, you know, when, when he has been here, he's provided a great leadership for us. He's a solid defensively. He's chipped in offensively for us. And, uh, you know, when we do get him back, he is going to be a, a huge part of our hockey team. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, uh, it'll be straightened out here very shortly. Okay. Not so much in reference to Utah, just in generalities. Because I know we... We did some trades with uh, 
futures. Now, when can that be taken if it's for a player? Is you know, it, it's all trade? every every trade's different. Uh, you know, there's no definition of what futures are. If every player, every trade is different. You know, when you see a player get traded for futures, it could be as much as a a dollar. You know, or cash or something. You know, there's every case time, of beer on the return trip. Yeah, I don't. I've never gotten into those yet, so I don't. <laughs> I don't anticipate it either. But uh, no, every every trade when you see future considerations, no real definition of what it is. It's been agreed upon by both teams. It's very clear to both, uh, or should be made clear to both teams. Um, but um, every time you see futures, it, it's something different by what the two coaches uh, had agreed upon. Thanks for your question, sir. Time for more. If you want to get your live question up to the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, now's a perfect time to do that. And we have another one. And your name is? Bailey. Hi, Bailey. Why do you guys switch jerseys all the time? Why do we switch jerseys all the time? Well, where's Berkey? Where's Berkey when you need him? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes especially jerseys, uh, you know, the breast cancer awareness, and then uh, would we wear Halloween jerseys? No, we, uh, we've we had the camouflage jerseys. Camouflage we jerseys. wore the special Kelly Cup jerseys as well, um, and that and the throwback jerseys that yep. we do every year as well. And, and then we had the throwback, and then uh, what the league decides is halfway through the year to change from the home whites to the road darks. So we have two dark jerseys, and the one that you're wearing right now, and then the uh, black Cincinnati one. So... Um, you know, you just kind of switch back and forth. And, and, Bailey, sometimes it goes by how much success you have on that jersey. So if you win on a Friday night with the black Cincinnati one, I'm pretty sure you'll see it again on Saturday uh, just to hopefully continue that good luck. So uh, that's why you'll see uh, the jerseys change. So for the rest of the season now, we'll be either wearing our, our red ones or our black ones. Then when we go on the road, we'll be wearing our white ones. Thank okay? you for your question. That's a Thanks, great question. Bailey. Oh, hey, hey, Bailey, come here. i got a question for you. Did you get your homework done tonight? Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> nice. Outstanding. Make sure you have it in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the question. And we, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question, too, because, you know, I've had that asked of me about three or four times. And it's nice, though, because the way it's set up, you have an opportunity as a fan of, of the team that may not get to travel and, and watch your team on the road. You get a chance to, to see your your team in all the different jerseys that there are to, uh, to see and enjoy. Um, let's talk about something non-hockey related for a moment before we take a break and bring up Eric Catalyst, who's with us, the rookie forward out of Michigan Tech. will be with us in just a couple of minutes. Um, obviously, today was a day where uh, you kind of wrap up the weekend, you look at some of the, uh, the roster moves, you check on all the injuries that you talked about, uh, but today was a day you also had a chance to maybe step away from hockey for about uh, 90 minutes and go tour uh, a facility that you have come to know pretty well now as a Cincinnati guy. You, we were at Great American Ballpark this afternoon and uh, got a chance to tour the facility with all the guys. And I know for, for you, you've already been through some of the facilities, but for everybody, including myself, just a, a really cool opportunity. It was great today. We, uh, the guys met down at 10, the guys had treatment this morning and met at 10.30. We walked across the street and uh, got a tour of the visiting, to, visiting team clubhouse, which was uh, extremely nice. And then we went down to the Reds clubhouse and uh, uh, got to tour that. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, to see all the name name plates still up in their stalls. Uh, my son got a picture in Joey Votto's stall and Bronson Arroyo's, and uh, it was uh, it was great to get that uh, that tour. And then we went out to the dugout, and then uh, uh, the club lounge level. We went up there and got got a look up there, and then went up to the Hall of Fame, and all the players got a tour of the. Uh, Reds Hall of Fame, and uh, it, it was a great, uh, great thing. You learned so much going through there on, on, you know, the 1990 teams and the teams through the 70s, and, and the, there's a big exhibition right now, obviously on last year winning the NL Central. So uh, it was a great opportunity for the guys to do something different and to, you know, kind of especially with the building right beside us there, you drive by it every day, and mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it was really special. It was a great thing to do today, and I know the guys really enjoyed themselves. And it took you back to your day where you delivered the game ball with Skate at the game, and that was uh, the day after that Jay Bruce hit the, the clinching home run to, to clinch the NL Central Division title. So Yeah, I was watching that game, and not to cheer against the Reds that night, but I was really <laughs> hoping they didn't clinch that night because I was taking the ball out the uh, yeah. next night. So I, I got to see, uh, you know, the, the Drew Stubbs and, and Janice and, uh, you you know, guys like that play the next night, and uh, but uh, you know they brought. I remember they brought in Phillips and Votto and Roland and uh, uh, Jay Bruce for some at bats that night. But it was um, no, it was great. I mean, what a great uh, 
great experience with a great ballpark and the and the, the clubhouse is just amazing. I know Skate was pretty impressed with the uh, the bubblegum stash that they had down there in the room. They had all kinds of bubblegum mm-hmm. and, and different things. I think he walked away with a couple of baseballs and a and a Votto t-shirt, so he was pretty happy. It's amazing too. You talk with players and uh, and you have you played at the highest level of this sport and you've been in front of you know sometimes 20 22,000 people depending on what drink you're at. Uh, and it's still amazing to watch the looks on their faces when I know you've already done it, but the, the guys that maybe not, may not have had an opportunity to do so walk out of that tunnel. And they're professionals. They've been in front of big crowds. But just to see that, that look on their face is pretty cool. Yeah, it's great walking down the tunnel up to the dugout. It's a, it's a great feeling to step on the steps onto the field. And, uh, you know, just can't imagine what that would feel like in front of 40,000 people. And, uh, you know, it's intimidating. As much as you've played in front of big crowds and stuff, uh, you step on a field like that in a sport like baseball where it's a team sport, but it's uh, – it's really one-on-one battles. I mean, there there is ways in hockey. It is a it's a really good team sport, and you know, glaring mistakes are obvious. But uh, you know, when you're sitting on that mound pitching and in front of forty thousand people, or uh, you know, going to bat and all eyes are on you, it's 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 pretty intimidating being out there. And it was. Uh, uh, it's a special place, and I'm uh, looking forward to a big year from the Reds this year. And I'm not uh, trying to backtrack, but yesterday there was uh, another event that we had a chance to be at, and it's it's a yearly a yearly event for this club, and it's uh, the third edition of that, the Cyclones Got Talent 3, which was last night out in Finneytown, thanks to uh, the Cyclones fan club, Herb and Sherry Chapman taking care of business with uh, everybody else that's involved in the club. And most of, I think I saw most of you guys out there, so we appreciate all of you guys being in attendance last night. I think everybody deserves Sherry and Herb a round of applause in the Cyclones fan club. Outstanding work for everybody. And obviously a good showing, a, a packed house. It was sold out, as we mentioned, last week. And uh, that was a pretty good, a pretty good night. And I, actually, I, I was pretty impressed with Barrett's questions for the, the trivia. We had a trivia. For those that didn't go, there was a trivia segment where we did uh, just, I think it was a simple 10-question question, simple answer. And uh, whoever won, I can't remember what they won. What did they win? Bragging rights? bragging rights and it was uh there were some tough questions thrown in there oh it was great i thought uh, barrett and the team did a good job with those questions especially asking what uh, berkey's first name is i thought that, that was, was a great uh yeah. that was a great question and Abby's <laughs> dog's name and uh stuff like that so not really fair to a couple of those guys uh, paul mcelveen got uh, a little bit of a head start a day head start on the other guys so he was a little bit more knowledgeable but uh uh, yeah, the things you, you, you think of, like uh, Chris Burke, you don't, uh, <laughs> I, I might have even paused at that one. I've been calling him Berkey for six months now. So, uh, um, yeah, that was great. It was a great event, uh, great cause, and I, the, 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 the way it was organized was fantastic. And, and the players' participation is, uh, is always great. And uh, the video they made in that song was absolutely terrific. And uh, we've heard enough of it in the room over the last <laughs> few weeks, and I'm sure we'll continue to hear it. For those of you that may not have been here at the beginning of the show, we have a teaser of that video. If you haven't seen it in its entirety yet, it's at CyclonesHockey.com. We will be debuting that live on the Jumbotron at U.S. Bank Arena this Friday when the Cyclones wrap up their two games in three-day set against the Walleye. Of course, you can also see it when it is actually debuted at the arena live on our Facebook page and on our website as well. Coach, we'll let you get a bite to eat and uh, talk to you in a few minutes as we have a big week of, of games to discuss. Frankly, uh, a big 10-day stretch for this team and plenty more to get to with you as we continue. Coming up next, though, we'll visit with rookie forward Eric Catalyst as he'll be with us next on the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Back for another segment live at the Great American Sports Cafe as we get you set up for another week of games at U.S. Bank Arena. The homestand in February continues. Pleased to be joined by my next guest, the former Michigan Tech product and now playing in his rookie season with the Cincinnati Cyclones. Give it up for number 18, Eric Catalyst. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for being with us. What do you think of Cincinnati so far? I'm always curious to ask those that, that have jumped in middle of the year that are just kind of thrust into the Queen City. What do you think so far? Oh, I love it. It's a big city, and uh, obviously we got a great support system here with all of our fans and our booster clubs. So uh, I don't know. I'm anxious to uh, maybe explore a little bit more. Now, you're from a, an area up in Michigan. What, how do you pronounce the name of the, your hometown? My hometown is Traverse City, Michigan. Okay. Uh, I played my college at uh, University uh, or Michigan Tech University in uh, Houghton, Michigan. That's how it's pronounced. And so you uh, obviously in the WCHA had a chance to play against some, some high-level talent up there. And take me back to some of your college days as well. What's that, Herb? Go ahead. Yeah, you know, like Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, oh. Michigan State. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, I don't Whoops. know about those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, the WCHA... Uh, well, we traveled all over the country, uh, out to Colorado with uh, Colorado Springs and CC out there in Denver, and 
up in uh, Alaska a couple times, but uh, I don't know. A lot of my fond memories were at uh, our home barn in Michigan Tech, uh, you know, with the pep band and obviously, you know, the like I said, the support system we had up there. When you talk about hockey in Michigan, you, you can't help but, you know, kind of be in, and being a Michigan native as well, get, get kind of entrenched in the world of the Detroit Red Wings. You grew up watching them, and uh, I know as we were discussing off the air, uh, you're a guy that kind of compares yourself or would like to play like uh, one of my favorite players as well, Steve Eiserman. Yeah, I, th I just think he's a great role model, and uh, obviously being a Red Wing fan, you can't help but uh, love Stevie Y. But, uh, you know, we were sad to see him go to Phoenix, but, you know, he left a legacy there, and I think... Uh, you know, the Red Wings are always contenders, and it's just uh, nice to be able to cheer for a team that's going to be winning some games. No question. Now, uh, how many games did you go to? Obviously, growing up playing the sport, it, it sometimes limits your ability to go see games. Probably no more that, that the case than right now where you're playing. You don't get a chance True. to watch any. I know uh, I'm kind of falling victim to that as well. Uh, when you were growing up, did you get to attend many Red Wings games and, and go watch your favorite team? Not that often, actually. But uh, recently, uh, during the uh, 2010 finals we went to uh my parents brought me down to the Jolo Serena catch some of the finals games against Pittsburgh so I caught two games down there and it, and it was an amazing experience it's amazing you, you talk about the the hockey support up there and, and not that it's it's different elsewhere like Minnesota even the east coast but but you go up to Michigan and it it, like no other place that I've been to, and granted, if and no offense to you, I'd like to get in and out of Michigan as fast as possible. But for, for the most part, going up there, you really enjoy, and you can kind of get thrust into that world. It's hockey all the time, 24-7, 365. Absolutely it is, and uh, that's not a bad thing, you know. <laughs> that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, growing up, I met, I met a lot of great people, you know, through any kind of networking that we did. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun as kids traveling to the, uh, you know, all over Michigan to the, any kind of, you know, you know, we'd go to the tournaments, but, you know, all of us kids would enjoy getting in the pool as much as possible. So, <laughs> but uh, no, a lot of fond memories and uh, a lot of great road trips. Well, if you have to narrow it down, I know I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't talk about this before the show. Uh, after you've been in, in hockey for almost your whole life, is there one place that sticks out either in college or as an amateur that, that you say, man, I remember that fondly. I love that place. I would go back there in a heartbeat. Well, you know, I, I hate to say it, but uh, the University of North Dakota's uh, facilities, the Ralph Engelstead Arena, was, mm -hmm. was uh, a sight. You know, walking into that, it was, you know, you know like you compared to uh, walking into a baseball field for the mm -hmm. first time. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of great memories there. We played a couple of playoff series out there, and, you know, it, it, it really comes down to uh, the, the atmosphere, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they portray, you know, what hockey is supposed to be like and how it's supposed to be played, and uh, we had a lot of fun in, in uh, North Dakota. Boy, it's amazing, too. You talk to players, and not just uh, it, it, like the rookie level when you're just kind of getting thrust into the pro game, but uh, it, it makes such so much of a difference to be in front of a big crowd. And I, everybody I've talked to says the same thing, that, you know, as much as, as players will say uh, that they try to kind of just focus and, and play the game. Right. It, it helps you when you're at home and you're playing in front of five, six, seven, sometimes 10,000 people, depending in college or more here in Cincinnati, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five to six, maybe sometimes seven to eight. Uh, in the playoffs, there's sometimes 15. Yeah. Uh, it makes a big difference for somebody like yourself. Absolutely, it does. You know, as athletes, you know, we feed off the crowd. You know, that's what, you know, makes us want to play hard and, uh, you know, not only for each other, but for our fans. When you talk about your career as a whole so far, it's early. You've been playing a long time, but as your pro career is developing, uh, it seems like you're getting, as each passing day goes by, more and more comfortable with, with the pro style. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is just, that's what it is. It's a different style of hockey, and, uh, you know, in college it was a lot more, you know, go, 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 making, you know, hits and, you know, as fast as you can from point A to point B, but uh, there's, a, there's an element of timing in the, in the pro game, and, you know, like you said, you know, each passing day I feel like I'm, you know, getting closer to that timing now off the ice i hear you have some interesting hobbies now uh i guess i can first ask what are they and then how do they begin well i know you're going to ask me about them but uh beach volleyball is one of them golfing and uh, a little bit of tennis here and there okay now beach volleyball is one that kind of sticks out all right tennis you can stay active during the spring summer months uh certainly golf any hockey player that that plays at any level oftentimes will pick up the uh pick up the irons as well uh, but beach volleyball kind of stands out. How did you get started in beach volleyball? Uh, one of my exes, actually. Um, she was uh, an athlete in high school and played a lot of volleyball. And, you know, spending your summers up north, you kind of have to, uh, you know, make your own fun, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, you can't complain, you know, 
you, you know, you're playing in a in a bathing suit, and uh, you really can't complain about the females across from you playing in bathing suits either. So. <laughs> I hear it's pretty difficult, comparatively speaking, to to you know, just play on a, a gym floor or something like that. Even if you're playing on on kind of a street, whatever it is, on being asphalt. But uh, but sand volleyball, for whatever the reason, probably just because of the lack of grip, it's hard. It's a hard sport. It's hard on your legs too. Yeah, I mean it is, and we have fun with it. You know, obviously we're not out there being you know too competitive, but yeah. uh, you know. That it'll, it'll come out, you know, when the games are tight. But, you know, it's a lot of fun. You know, you're just diving around, having fun on the beach. And uh, that's what summer's all about. Is there any particular beach location that you've been to that you say, I, I like going there. That's my favorite. Me, it's Hawaii. Hawaii? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I could top that. But, uh, you know, I love, like, where I'm from, Traverse City, Michigan. We got uh, water, all, you know, the Great Lakes, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's just it's beautiful there in the summer, and everybody's on their boats and hanging out on the beaches. If you'd like to ask a question to Eric, you can stop up and grab the live mic from Herb. He is here, and I believe he has a question for Eric. Herb, you go ahead. You took my question, but anyway. Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> sorry. Uh, in reference to your amateur career, mm -hmm. uh, I noticed you played in Indianapolis. Yep, that's right, Indiana. And Ice, yeah. which barn did they play in at that time? Well, I was the Pepsi Coliseum. That's is that the barn. old one? The real old one? That is the older one, yes. Nice. That is the barn. That is a barn, <laughs> <laughs> by definition. Yeah. And you were there for one year? One year, yep. So is that the closest you've been to your parents, other than college, that they would, would be able to come down and see you? I think the closest games uh, were in uh, LSSU up in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. We played uh, you know, them a couple times, obviously, and you know at the beginning of the seasons, we usually have a little tournament with uh, LSSU in northern Michigan in the Superior Showcase, so I believe that's the closest, about two hours away from Traverse City. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. uh, in reference to your hockey play, what do you see your strong suit as? You know, I feel like I've always been a playmaker, and, uh, you know, you learn as you grow up, you, you know, playing with the same guys, and you get to read off the, you know, make some chemistry there, and then and any kind of line you put yourself into, you're going to you know, find everyone's strengths and weaknesses and, and try to work towards those strengths every shift. And coming in in the middle of the season, how are you able to adjust your game to what's going on here since, you're not, since you have not played with these uh, players? Right. Uh, you, you just kind of got to open your eyes and uh, shut your mouth, you know. You, honestly, <laughs> you, you kind of got to, nice. you know, you gotta, you gotta, I have a lot of guys to look up to on this team. You guys have been in the league for four or five years plus, and, uh, you know, it's easy to just kind of, you know, watch and see what they do and, and model after them. And which, which of the elder players have taken you under their wing? For, no, the, I think for the brief period. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of chipped in with something, you know, and... Uh, I'd have to say uh, probably Dustin Sprout. You know, he's a good, you know, a good role model and, and an excellent hockey player. And, uh, you know, if I could play half as good as he does every night, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> you got to work on your backhand. Though. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> and last but not least, let's see if you retained anything from last night. Uh oh Here we go. All right. I wish I had the Jeopardy theme or yeah. maybe the millionaire music. <laughs> I don't. Hang on. Maybe I can find it. Go ahead, Herb. Aubin's dog's name. Oh, Peanut. Come on. Nice. Okay. Boom. Oldest player on the team. Oldest? That's Sprouter, yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, he's retained a lot. How many current I mean, how many current players were on both Kelly Cup teams? Wow. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Especially if you haven't followed the team. Yeah, and there's three. I can tell you that. There's three of them? Yes. Uh. That's that, you're putting me on a spot here, Herb. Wow. Hey, it was last night. It was less than 24 oh, hours come on ago. Now with the music, too. Look at that. The Just wonders pressure, of YouTube. The pressure. wonders of YouTube. <laughs> All right. Uh, who? There uh, was three players on the current team I'm gonna go with, that uh, played on the two Kelly Cup teams. Okay. Ego. Yes. One of them. Um, Sprouter was the other team? Who? Sprouter. Nope. Give me some help over here. Okay, what's going on? <laughs> Scott Reynolds. Scott Reynolds. Yeah. Uh -huh. And? And? Which one? Peanut. Did, which other? Peanut. Peanut. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that's a trick. That's, Come on. that's not Come fair. On now. That's not even fair. We have more questions from the crowd. Rob, you are next. Rob, you go ahead. Since you went to uh, Michigan Tech, uh, which founded the, uh, the, JLI, uh, the GLI Invitational in Detroit, talk about being able to be a part of that. Um, 
in its sixty-sixth year this year. Talk about playing in that tournament at the Joe. Yeah, that was that was all always a pretty amazing experience. Obviously, growing up, uh, you know, being a Red Wings fan, going to play in the Joe Louis Arena was was you know just something like a dream come true. But uh, you know, we we did you know for every time that we did you know lose a game down there, we we had some success. And uh, my freshman year, we came the closest. Uh, we got into. Uh, it got to the finals against Michigan, and when it took them into double overtime, and they beat us one nothing. But uh, you know, it, every time you go down there, you got a lot of friends and family back uh, over Christmas break, and they make it down there, and it's just a it's a great experience, all in all. We have time for one more question, I believe. How long is your shift on the ice before you get worn out? Before I get worn out, probably. <laughs> <laughs> here we I got go. my coach sitting right here. So. <laughs> no, uh, I, usually I try to stay out there for around 45 seconds. If, if I'm skating hard, you'll see me getting off in 45 seconds. Okay. That's a good question. Thank, Thank you. you. That, is a, that is a very good question. All right. One more thing before we let you go. Now, this, obviously, we, we kind of touched on last night a little bit with the questions from, from Herb, the, the quiz, if you will. Mm -hmm. That was a cheap shot at the end, though. I didn't like that. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. Um, the, uh, the next question is pertaining to the video. Okay. Your initial thoughts. I know you kind of had a chance to see a little bit sneak preview, the building of it right. and things right. like that. But, but on a scale of 1 to 10, for those that may not have seen it, what would you give it? Oh, 10. Absolutely. Easy 10, yeah. Absolutely. Now, the, the question I've posed, it's our Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine poll question on our website, CycloneTalkie.com. Which player on the team, and I'll just give it open to anything, anybody. Uh, there, I think there's five selections on the site, but for, mm -hmm. for our purposes here, anybody on the team, who do you think would make the best actor in Hollywood after actor. seeing the video? Wow. Oh, I might have to go with... Uh I think I just have to go with Lamo. Yeah. Obviously, he was, uh, you know, the center of that uh, <laughs> that project, and uh, you know, he did a great job. He pulled it off, and you know, we'll see where his uh, music career takes him. Hopefully, he'll be here next week. That would be that would be outstanding. Otherwise, he's going to be in L.A. shooting more videos <laughs> exactly, for all we know. Exactly. Appreciate you being here. Give it up for no, Eric Catalyst, everybody. It, appreciate it. When Thank we come you. back, we'll have a chance to sit down and preview some games with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, when the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show continues in a moment. CyclonesHockey.com. Back again for a final segment on the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show on this Monday night. Thank you so much for being with us. Nick Brunker with head coach Jared Scaldi as we look ahead to a big week for the Cyclones and frankly a big uh, 10 or two week, 10 day, two week stretch as the next four games and uh, quite a few of the next 10 or 15 will be against North Division rivals. Certainly Toledo starting us off on uh, Wednesday and on Friday, a wet Wednesday. Before we get into the preview, we want to uh, let you know that there are a couple of things going on. Obviously, wet Wednesday, you've come to know and love. It's Dollar Beer Night, Dollar PBR, Dollar Miller Highlight. But we have a, a really, really cool new event that we are going to unveil on Wednesday. It's called Wrist Shots and Whiskey Shots. It's a whiskey tasting event along with hors d'oeuvres, kind of similar to the ones you saw at uh, the wine tasting. So uh, the $33 ticket gets you access to the building, obviously access to the game, and access to the to the whiskey tasting. If you already have tickets, which again, most of you probably do, you can, of course, get into the whiskey tasting for just 20 bucks. So hopefully you will be a part of that. Spaces, as we have seen in the last uh, three times with our wine tasting, have gone very, very quickly. So if you're interested in being a part of that, please go to CycloneTalkie.com or call 513-421-PUCK. One more note, we have two sets of tickets, two sets of four, one for Wednesday and one for Friday to give away at the end of the show. So be sure to stop on up. Friday is a Kids Eat Free Night, thanks to Sundrop and Sunkissed along with John Morrell. So plenty of things to get to this weekend, fun-wise, on the ice and off. We'll talk about that. Before we get any further, though, we will ask or have Mike ask you a question about the upcoming series. Oh, perhaps. hey, Mike. How hey, are you? Coach. Hey, how do you pre how do you how do you keep it together, Mike? I'm trying to. How do you prepare for the Toledo series this week with guys being out uh, out for the year, injuries and sickness and all that? Yeah, I mean, we obviously knew on Saturday we were going to be we were going to be banged up. Um, you know, a lot of them had to go see the doctor and get evaluated and see where we're at. And um, you know, with uh, Dustin Spro, you you just don't know the concussion. Uh, he's going to need a week off for sure, just to just to be on the safe side. So. Yeah, um, good question, Mike. No, we're uh, you know we've we've worked on some things today to bring. We need some people in here. We need some uh, some bodies, some able bodies, and um, you know getting uh, one thing we didn't touch on is obviously getting a goaltender in is uh, yes. Brian Foster coming in from uh, uh, Bozier Shreveport, a, a prospect of the Florida Panthers. So you know it was a, it's a situation where um, you know Chevy may be gone a while, and it's good to get him an op an opportunity in here to play. And you know Chet's. Uh, 
Chet's going to go uh, as much as he can, and we'll get Brian in and, and, and see how he adjusts to the ECHL uh, style of play. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge to get uh, able bodies in and guys that, uh, that, guy, guys that contribute, you know. So uh, that's something uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, we did today, and we'll be working on it all day tomorrow. Yeah, pretty solid goaltender at UNH. He was up uh, in their system for two years as a starter, was a four-year letter winner, and, and had about a 270 goals against average as a career player, including some games he had as a backup in his first two seasons. I'll be anxious to see him get in action. Uh, talk about the walleye who, for whatever the reason, whether it is call-ups or, or in this case send-downs, uh, or maybe just the things they've done differently over the last uh, six to eight weeks, they're a very, very different team that's playing some good hockey right now. Yeah, Toledo's been a team that, you know, we saw early on and, you know, we had success against. And then, you know, I, you know uh, Scott and I looking over our notes and looking over some old game tape, and it's, uh, it's a team that's changed every time we've seen them. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, different guys sent down or, or different situations and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they're, they're playing very well right now. They've got a good group over there that's coming together and, uh, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for two games in a row, a division uh, division games here to 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 you know get some have, find some success. Uh, you know, we struggled last time out against them, and um, you know we'll go over their lineup again and and see different changes and different scenarios and and uh, you know where they're putting their strengths. And uh, uh, you know we'll uh, we'll we'll adjust our lineup and look at what they've got uh, coming in for Wednesday and of course for uh, for uh, Friday. And then uh, you know we're. Uh, uh, you know, the, whether it's Toledo or not, they're all big games uh, coming up here. I mean, it's a it's a five-team dogfight, and uh, it's a challenge every night, and uh, we're looking forward to it. It's amazing, too. You look at the, the matchups, specifically with Toledo, but you can even kind of discuss the same topic when you look at Kalamazoo. Uh, the games have been almost primarily one or two goal games. In fact, all but two of them uh, have been exactly that, two goals or less, decided one way or the other. So uh, with that in mind, after having played in a, in a series like Florida where you, you played those games night in and out minus the Friday, uh, and even that was a close game going into the late stages of that one, and then you kind of blew it open, uh, I guess it would be nice in, in one end to kind of go in there and blow out Toledo, but at the same time, preparation-wise, you're, you're coming off a series that is kind of the way you've been playing against Toledo and Kalamazoo. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, obviously every night you want to you want to tighten up defensively, and uh, you know we're the we allow the th uh, third least amount of shots against in in, in the ECHL. Yep. So, you know, it's something we want to limit their scoring opportunities and limit their shots, and, and and just tighten up defensively. And a team like Toledo, they've got guys that will try to go offensively. That uh, uh, you know, not as offensive as, as some teams like uh, like Florida, but. Uh, you know they have some guys that can score and, and some some veteran presence and stuff. So um, you know you, we, we just want to be patient defensively and, and you know I think now with some of the offense we have I think we we can exploit some turnovers. We can you know work on our transition a little bit better and and, and use that into to more offense coming out of our defensive zone. Herb has a couple questions before we wrap things up. Herb, you well go I ahead. just have one one observation slash question. Uh, early on, our division was fans were talking to me and I was believing it halfway that we had the weakest division but if you look at the past 10 games the past 20 games our division where they're not playing each other beating each other up we are actually the hottest division mm -hmm. in the E so I think that points that our division is actually the toughest division well, do you agree or disagree? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you look at Wheeling's hockey team, and, and you know, Kalamazoo uh, has gone on stretches where they, they've been a very good hockey team. They've got uh, some veteran guys that have been around a long time. They've got great goaltending. Uh, you know, even uh, you look at Toledo that struggled early on, but they've got some talented, talented players there. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a battle every night against them. I mean, we've had our struggles against Wheeling, obviously, and stuff, but we've, uh, you know, every night you know you're going to those games, they're going to be battles. And uh, uh, like I told our guys, we touched on it last week. I mean, you know, do we want to be 10 points uh, more ahead than we are? Absolutely. But uh, we are where we are right now, and we're in a, and we're in a battle and, and clawing and scratching for every point we can get with, you know, different lineups every night like every, every other team in this league. And, uh uh, just got to find different ways to win every night with different personnel and, uh, you know, just uh, keep trying to get points and, 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 and keep clawing away here. Best of luck the, uh, the rest of this week. And I know we won't be seeing you next Monday, but, you know, we'll see you the following. Sure. We'll see you in the afternoon next Monday. Thank you, Herb. That is a, uh, a good point to make that uh, we will be off, obviously, next week from the show because the Cyclones will be on the ice 
taking on Kalamazoo in the first of a two-game set there at U.S. Bank Arena for uh, a day game, a 2 o'clock opening face-off in downtown Cincinnati. One more thing before we let you go, and uh, it, it doesn't pertain directly to the Cyclones, but we've kind of gotten into this back and forth uh, to talk about just kind of hockey topics in, in general uh, towards the end of the show. And one of the uh, probably the topic in hockey of the last week, maybe five days, uh, was actually happened on Saturday, and that was between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders. It was a brawl that saw all kinds of fights, ejections, fines, suspensions, uh, 362 penalty minutes, if I'm not mistaken, something in that range. Um, just one of those things as a hockey guy, and, and even just as a fan, you kind of sit back and, wow, that was pretty intense. Yeah, you know, that it happens at time. You look at Montreal and Boston had the same similar type of game, but I think it was just more, uh, you know, one-on-one sort of old-fashioned hockey. Yeah, there are some things in that Islander game that I didn't like. I, the, the Trevor Gillies hit and then the fact that he's standing over him, uh, taunting him after that, that absolutely disgusted me, and there's no room in the game for that. I, I, I know who Trevor Gillies is. I've played against Trevor Gillies, and I'm sure he's a decent person, but... That absolutely disgusting, watching a guy down getting treated by, a, by an athletic trainer and a guy standing in the doorway taunting him. Uh, there, there's absolutely no room for that. I thought the Matt Martin, you know, jumping Talbot from behind there, um, you know, there's a way to do it. There's a, there's a way to, to confront somebody and there's a way to challenge somebody and there's a way to make a guy drop his gloves. And, um, you know, I thought that one was very questionable. And, you know, maybe four games he got, I, I, I thought, you know, should have been more uh, more uh, than that, but definitely the Gillies nine games. I, I would have given him a lot more than nine games just for the whole scenario of trying to hurt somebody. I mean, he jumped at him, and it was a headshot. Something that happens in the game that uh, at every level we talk about getting out of the game is uh, headshots. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the thing that really disappointed me, and I don't know if a lot of people saw this, Gar Snow uh, interview after the game, you know, interpreting everything was just an absolute mockery of how Garth Snow interpreted what went on, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, Zenin Kanapka, good friend of mine that people here in Cincinnati know, and uh, if you know Zenin, he's uh, got a great personality, he's, uh, he's a guy you want on your team, and, uh, you know, he, he went a little far in some of his comments also, but uh, uh, just the Gillies thing for me was just... Uh, there's no room in the game for that. I mean, these are people, there's health issues involved here, and there's a guy lying on the ice, and uh, I, I didn't like that one bit. You talk about the respect for the game, too, and that was the topic that we discussed last week, and that was just the theme of it, just respect the, the sport and the game. And, and it just seems like uh, that, that you're not seeing it nearly as much as perhaps you used to in the old days, but at the same time, there were usually one or two incidents uh, a year maybe at times, maybe not to the grandest scale that we saw. By the way, the video of that entire skirmish, it's about 12 minutes. It's on my blog at CycloneTaki.com. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, is there anything that, that Gary Bettman or, or just hockey people like yourself can do to, to eliminate that from the game? Well, I think first and foremost, you eliminate people like Trevor Gillies getting National Hockey League jobs. I mean, I... You know, there's no room in the game for a guy like him. And, uh, you know, I think it goes, the onus is on the hockey teams. I mean, when we when we go in the summertime or throughout the year, we go to sign players, you know, I'm not, uh, there's certain people out there I would not want part of this organization by their track record mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that. I just don't want a part of, part of uh, this group or this team. So I, I think a lot of onus goes on the hockey team. So that, that's, uh, I think that's the most important thing. Perhaps a good way to wrap things up. We have a big week of games ahead, including a wet Wednesday, and of course the wrist shots, whiskey shots promotion as well on Wednesday night, 7.30. Before we wrap up, we do have opportunities to give away some tickets now, and we will do that with a pile. We will let you uh, pick the tickets. This will be for Wednesday, four tickets to Wednesday's game against the Kalamazoo Wings. That's next Wednesday, next Wednesday, and then we'll also have ones as well. This is ticket number 000727. 000727. We have a winner in the back, winner in the back. All right. Those are for next Wednesday, the 23rd. Now, this is for the day game, Monday, the 21st. Monday, the 21st. This is 000726. 000726. Another winner. Perfect. That's the Meyer Kids Club game, by the way, as well. Hope to see you all down there and enjoy, and we'll hopefully see everyone as well out on Wednesday night as the Cyclones take on the Toledo Walleye. Big game at U.S. Bank Arena for head coach Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker. So long, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you back here in two weeks.